0: I decided I want to be a coach. With much pushing and shoving, I got into those courses. And once I got in, the guys taught me a lot of shake. Computer was there. They accepted me because of my skills.
1: Good day and welcome to the big interview. Women's football in South Africa is going from strength to strength. From Sasol's investments in local leagues just over a decade ago to Banyana Banyana's World Cup debut last year, and now the likes of Tembi Khatlana, Jermaine Siopesenwe, and many more making big moves to Europe as a result. One woman who has been there from the start of the women's football revolution in this country, who has played at national level, coached the national team, and served SAFA for 21 years before retirement is Fran Hilton-Smith. Today we discuss all of the above and more. I'm your host, Slu Paho, and this is SL Radio. Sokala Duma Radio. I'm happy to be joined on the line by former Banyana Banyana coach and a champion of local women's football, Fran Hilton Smith. Fran, thank you very much for joining me on the show.
0: Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here.
1: So let's start at the very beginning. Uh, you grew up playing with the boys. They they put you in goal because nobody wanted to play there. Uh, uh, of course, boys aren't the nicest. Um, so was that an early indicator of the uphill climb you had later with women's football?
0: Yes, I think that was a good start. Uh, it was very hard to be accepted because we're seen as a, a main sport. But I was determined that I wanted to play, so I pushed on and eventually was allowed on the field and could start uh, honing my skills.
1: And uh, back in your playing days, you played for the national women's team, but the landscape was very different. Can you take me through the structures back then and how you were scouted?
0: Well, we had leagues going since the 70s, um, and in the late 80s, we started selecting into the provincial teams, and I played for 10 years for Eastern Transvaal, a year for Southern. So I was scouted for the national team, but of course, we couldn't play in the FIFA competitions because of the suspension.
1: And uh, you had that first multiracial women's football league. You've actually stated that the women integrated uh, faster than the men. Um, so aside from those challenges, what was the experience like? Was there a culture shock?
0: No, it was fantastic, actually. Um, we started uh, having women from the townships like uh, Fossler, um coming in when I met Joseph from Conja, the legend in the late 80s. We were playing in uh, Ikuruleni now, and he approached me and said he had some teams from the township. Could they come and join us on a Sunday? So I said, yes, fantastic. Um, I, with the men, it was a huge problem with the police and whatever. But with women, nobody worried. So we started playing multi football way before the men. And when we were re-accepted into FIFA in around 93 we were already a multi organization.
1: And you've spoken about the challenges of uh, finding venues uh, and having to pay for things yourself. Uh, do you see similarities with those issues from yesteryear in the current game?
0: Yes, I do, actually. It is always a struggle to get a, a field, a venue, kit. Um, and many teams now in the Sassel leagues. uh Sometimes even the National Women's League, you still struggle to get fields. That's why it was always something we pushed for and tried to push for, that we are affiliated to PSL clubs, because then we would have access to them. To uh,
1: on that note, say for example, like Sundown's Orlando Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs also formed ladies' teams, what impact do you think that would have on the game?
0: massive. I mean Orlando Pirates have a team and they are now the champions who are going to compete in the first ever CAF club championships. But they have support, they get kicked and, and that's what it's all about. So the the best way to go would be for PSL clubs to have women's teams like's happened in England. You've got Man United, women, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, so that's the way.
1: So uh, going back to you now, how did you make the transition from player to coach?
0: Well, when my playing career drew to an end, I realized there weren't many coaches. In fact, there were none, women. So I decided I want to be a coach um, and coach women coaches. And that took me on another very difficult journey because, of course, I was the only woman. And the men were a bit adverse to that too. It was a boys club so I had to fight my way into that as well, doing a FIFA course in, I think, 93. And then we had a big CAF instructor's course in 94. But with much pushing and shoving and jumping up and down and crying, I got into those courses. And once I got in, the guys realized that I could play very well. I was very fast left footer. And so they accepted me because of my skill. and guys and now big boys, Tot Malota, shakes Computer was there, Ted was there, so that's
1: how I started in coaching. So uh, now looking at your time with with, with Safa, um, your time with Safa and, and the Banyana team is well documented, uh, so I want to talk to you about these bigger um, issues, like what was the importance of Sasol, for example, joining the world of local women's football, I think it was just over a decade ago.
0: Well, life or death, it, uh, they the power behind Peniana, and it's because of them that the team was able to play highly competitive games against USA, Sweden, Netherlands, um, which gave them the edge. And that's why they qualified for the two Olympics, the World Cup, because they were able to compete. If you don't compete, you can't compete.
1: Um, and then the cherry on top of your time at Safa, as you as you uh, entered retirement, was Banyana's World Cup qualification. And since then, we've seen the impact that the World Cup uh, had. Um, we, we've seen a number of players from that squad making moves to top leagues. How do you feel about our woman flying the flag over in Europe now?
0: Well, it's a dream come true for me when I worked for FIFA from 2002 up till recently. I always used to tell my colleagues and anyone who'd listen that South Africa is the best players in the world and they'd always laugh and say, it's friend being patriotic. And I knew when I used to come back and tell the players they could be on the world stage, we just needed to qualify for the Olympics or specifically the World Cup. And I knew they'd be snapped up because we have the most skillful And now this is a dream come true because we have so many over there, 13, 14, four in a week now being snapped up. And also what's great for me is a lot of them are from the high performance center started 16 years ago. So like Linda, Tembi, Janine, um, Vivo, they all come from HPC. So it shows that project was worth fighting for as well.
1: You can't go on and do the same thing over and over. It's like my friend when you went out last night. You didn't eat your french fries. You want to reheat them today and (laughs) expect them to taste like... (laughs) They can't. (laughs) Catch the Car Wash with Teko Modise and Sean Roberts. Only on SL Radio, brought to you by Sokola Duma. You mentioned Janine. I actually had her on the show a couple months back. And uh, what do you make of her as a captain as well, um, starting her own team and kind of leading the way? Her team is now going to compete at the highest level.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Uh, she's a perfect role model. Um, the her, her project, JVW, is the biggest league in the country. It's bigger than Sassel. It's the biggest schools league. It's it's just an unbelievable project that her and Lauren have put together. So she's an example of what can be achieved also from HBC. Now, again, going overseas, she was with Houston Dash for a long time. So this is what we we want, is the players to succeed. And my next thing is for one of the many coaches I've trained over the years to also maybe get a contract. We have one already, a former Banyana Carly Ann Lowe, um, also HPC. She's the head coach of uh, Arizona University, a massive job, and making a living at a football.
1: Now, you've spoken about... Um Uh, your disappointment in being let go by Safa uh, just before the World Cup, but you did go. Can you walk me through the experience, of that first match that Banyana played at the World Cup and and your feelings during that match?
0: Well, it was an unbelievable experience. Um, Fortunately, yes, uh, FIFA had retired me, so luckily uh, FIFA invited me to the World Cup to, to come for the workshop and attend the games, the first game. So it was, it was just unreal to sit there and finally, after 20 years or whatever, see Banyana on the field, on that stage. And of course, Tembi scoring the first goal. It was just for me a dream come true of years of struggle to get to that point.
1: And even in retirement, you're still involved with football. The High Performance Center for Girls in Pretoria is still going, and you've got the South African uh, Women in Sport Foundation that you're, that you're a part of as well. What is your involvement with these programs at the current stage?
0: Well, uh, the High Performance Center, of course, is closed with COVID, except for the matriculants. Uh, South African Women in Sport Foundation is doing great work, great work pushing for the the rights, should I say, of women in sport, all sports, not just football, trying to enforce um, the regulations that are in place, that a federation should be 50-50, getting women recognised. It's a powerful group of powerful women, and it's going to make a big difference in sport in South Africa. Um, On that side. And then I'm also still very busy in Kasafa. We've just had an instructor's course for all the 13 regions. I've just done an instructor's course in CAF for all the CAF regions. so I'm very busy still helping the development of women's football.
1: Now we talk about your 21 years in Safa. You've spoken about uh, your time in those leagues in the 80s. Where would you say it all started? Where where do you mark the beginning of your career uh, as a, as a, as a champion of women's football and as uh, being involved, even as an athlete? Where do you where do you uh, start date? You know what I mean?
0: Well, it's been long and with many milestones along the way, but I think. When we started the first Banyana team back in three, four where they were recognised, played their first international, I think that really set women's football then into the world. And uh, that for me was probably one of the biggest moments. And of course, the biggest ever from that time of trying was of course to get to the World Cup with a local coach. So that was also important. We have uh I realised we needed more women coaches, so made it my mission to try and get former Banyana players to become coaches. And we now have twenty seven CAF A licensed women, more than the rest of Africa put together. And all the national teams are coached by those women, uh, Desiree, the Desre, Des and Jabalili, Beloy, all of them are involved.
1: And uh, next week we'll actually be having uh, Banyana coach Desiree Ellis on the show. And we recently had Neil Tovey who sung your praises. Who else would you give credit to for the rise of women's football in South Africa?
0: Well, the biggest credit for me, or one of the biggest credits, must go to um, a lady called Nalita Fakudi from Cecil. She was appointed as a director And she made the decision 10 odd years ago to stop sponsoring the under-23 on and sponsor Banyana. And that changed our lives completely. There's a lot of women who've helped women's football on the way. Ria was there, Natasha. Um, uh, Many people who've seen the the world and have supported us uh, in getting where we are.
1: Now, uh, I have a little sister who's a pianist, and so I was interested to see that you're also a muso. Do you still play the instruments every now and then?
0: Uh-huh. I don't play now. I had uh, my fingers an operation on them, but yes, my whole life alongside football was music since the 60s, so I played in various bands, rock bands, whatever radical things, and then The biggest experience for me was uh, in the 90s, getting into 2000s, getting into a band called Basadi, Women of Jazz we formed, and played African jazz standards. And that band took us to represent Africa in England, an all-women band um, with women from Soweto. So it was really a highlight of my life. Played for President Nelson Mandela twice. So you can't ask for more than
1: that. Definitely. And one could say music and football go hand in hand. And right before I let you go, Fran, how are Tyler and Tristan doing?
0: Yeah, they're doing very good. Both good football players. Both have their colors at school for softball. So I'm really proud of them. they kind of walking in my footsteps.
1: Well, it's been an honor and a privilege. Fran Hilton-Smith, legend of the game. Thank you so much for joining me on the show.
0: Thank you for your
1: time and have a good day. That is all for the big interview. A big thank you to my guest, the legendary friend Hilton-Smith. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to get all of the latest local football news and make sure to subscribe to SL Radio on Spotify, Google Play and Apple Podcasts and you'll get notifications for every new show. From myself, your host, Slu Paho and my editor, Simon Strella, have a fantastic day. Sokala Duma Radio. Sokala, Sokala Duma Radio.